Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And good morning. Welcome into the show, the North Shore Fishing Report. Glad to have you aboard this morning. Keith Lusser here. And we're going to be talking all about fishing on the North Shore, Manchac, uh, to the Pearl River, all the rivers in between. Taking a look at uh, the forecast, if you're fishing this this weekend, uh, you may be able to squeeze in a trip before this next cold front. But whew, talk about a swing in temperatures. Uh, today's a high in the 70s. Tomorrow's high is going to be 52 in wind. So I believe that's that's the trickiest part about fishing during the winter is these cold fronts, uh, the pressure swings, uh, the rainfall that muddies up the rivers here. But you know, it comes with the territory. Winter can produce some some big catches on certain days. Uh, the colder weather tends to, to group up these fish, the sockeye and the bass. So uh, fishing during these months, you, you stand to catch some big numbers if you can find the fish. And um, also you can use that muddy water as a benefit. Where, where that muddy water is, there's, there's sure to be some clean water mixing with it. And on the North Shore, we have tons of cuts and canals that, that hold clean water because, uh, you know, they have dead ends or on dead ends um, where the water doesn't move, you know, like the main rivers, like the water moves in the main rivers. Um, if you can catch that clean water spilling out into, into the muddy water, you can find that fish, you can find the fish on on that mud line. Um, those bass will hide in the muddy water and ambush bait fish that are there in that clean water. So you can use muddy water to your advantage. Um, with the colder temperatures we've got, we've got a cold week forecasted next week. So, um, you know, finding it's going to be some muddy waters with the rain coming through. Um, also, with the colder weather coming, uh, those fish are going to be looking for the warmer temperature water. And if you can find structure that, that soaks up the sun, whether it be wood or rocks or, or lily pads, um, the water around that structure is going to be warmer because the sun's beating down on it. So you can use muddy water to your advantage. Uh, and you can use the colder temperatures to your advantage. Now, with the warm weather we've been seeing uh, the past two weeks, we're going to start seeing an early spawn as far as bass and sockeye go. So you're going to need to make the proper adjustments there. I know most people think of the spawning in March and April, but I think these fish are going to move into the shallows in February and maybe even late January. We'll uh, we'll just have to see uh, this cold front that's coming. If it's it's the sign of things to come, if, if we keep having cold fronts, that may, might push back the spawn a little bit. Um, but I made a trip with uh, Cajun Ray Miller over there on Trafunka River, and he said that he's already seeing uh, eggs in, when he cleans his fish. So that's a sure sign that these fish are already starting to move into the shallows. Uh, we're going to talk with Ray later on in the hour, so uh, stick around for that if you want to hear you know his thoughts on the Sokolay spawn here on the North Shore. Also, later on, we're going to check in with Chris Basie, uh, get some pointers on catching some bass. Those bass are going to be staging shortly, uh, if not already. And Chris is going to point us in the right direction as far as finding some bass in January, late January. Uh, Chris runs that Bass Assassins tournament here on the North Shore, and we'll check in with him for the latest on the bass tournament scene. So stick around for that. Um, all right, I want to congratulate uh, Elliot Cooper, uh, Elliot and Cooper Forrest of Covington. It was their first fishing trip, and uh, the two did really quite well. Uh, they posted his father posted a report on North Shore Fishing Report. Uh, you know, wintertime isn't the best time to target perch, but uh, their dad Jack thought he 
he would give it a try. Anyhow, uh, Jack brought the two boys to the end of Lake Road in Lacombe to the wharf by the, uh, by the boat launch down there. And uh, they were fishing with red worms under a cork. Elliot is six and Cooper is four. And, and they, they started fishing um, the duckweed along that wharf, only a few feet from the wharf. And the dad says it didn't take long for Elliot screamed, I got one, I got one. Uh, after a few hours, they, they had a, a bucket full of perch. Uh, Jack says the boys are, are in the back. They come home from school, and they're in the backyard casting at, at plastic plates for targets. So that's all it took, one trip. And it looks like Jack has made uh, two fishermen. So hopefully they stick with it and, and turn into lifelong anglers. Well, all right, we're going to get to a break here, but uh, when we return, we're going to check in with a, a lifelong angler, uh, Captain Andy Jones of Wicked Charters. Let's see if uh, this stretch of warm weather has changed the fishing in the lake any. And he also fishes Lake Catherine and Bourne as well. So we'll get a report from him on those areas as well. So stick around. You're listening to the North Shore Fishing Report on More Outdoors. All right, welcome back to the show, the North Shore Fishing Report. Leading off our guest this morning is Captain Andy Jones of Wicked Charters. Andy is based out of Mandeville, but not only fishes Lake Pontchartrain, he also ventures into the Lake Bourne area, Lake Catherine, um, the ICW, uh, Mr. Go. I tell you, that Mr. Go has been a place to be so far this winter. That's where the specs are in that deeper water. So let's get to Captain Andy right now so he can give us his take on fishing the area in January. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Keith. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Boy, I tell you what, we've had some lousy weather this past two weeks. Uh, you know, temperature swings, the uh, fog, um, man, the, the temperature's getting up in the 80s. Uh, what, what's what's the schedule like for you? You taking some downtime or you still fishing? Well, we kind of we kind of take it day by day. If the weather permits uh, and we have a trip booked and it's good, then we tell them to come on. If it looks like it's going to be a little tough for them. We recommend, you know, they save their money and then we try to go another time. And this year, you know, Mother Nature, you never know. You really got to, you really got to pay attention. Boy, I got to think that uh, we. I saw a few reports from the trestles. One thing about those trestles, man, when that when that temperature, that water temperature dictates everything. If if the water temperature allows those speckled trout to get on that bridge, they're going to be there. I saw some <laughs> reports popping up, and it's mid January. Yeah, definitely the fish are, fish are there, and they've been in that area. They tend to move in and out of, uh, you know, the Lakeshore States, Eden Isles area. Uh, then they they push back out onto the bridge. Um, so, yeah, the temperature swings definitely move them around, and uh, it's, it's it's fascinating to watch. But, yeah, you'll hear the hear the different reports. You'll see the guys when we kind of know – uh, when they're going to be hitting that bridge again, but yeah, they're they're uh, you can tell when the boats are out there that they know the fish are there. <laughs> yeah, count the boats. You can usually tell how the bite is. Andy, uh, we spoke about uh, the water temperature. James Piku of Slidell submitted a question. Want to know why the trout don't stay in the lake when the temperature drops into the lower fifties? So that's in like December and January, like we're about to see next week when those temperatures, you know, daytime temperatures in the low fifties. Um, I have an answer to that, but let's hear yours. And uh, yours sounds better. I think I'm going to go with yours. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's interesting. We've done a lot. We, we, I've heard a lot of things from biologists. Uh, I think those fish are still in different areas in the lake, maybe not in the same numbers. I, I personally believe that they do leave the lake. Uh, we had, we tagged a fish, 
uh, off the causeway one year, and it was caught later uh, about 53 miles away toward Mississippi with that tag was reported, uh, which tells me, you know, those fish do move in and out of the lake, but uh, the the data shows that a vast majority of them do stay in the lake and they just move to different areas. Now, since we've had that, uh, the Mystigo shutting down, um, I'm not, I'm not sure any studies have been done. You know, the LSU buoys, I don't think those transducers or anything work anymore for that. So it would be interesting to see, you know, if that's still true, but, uh, you know, yeah. typically yeah. we slow our approach down and do pretty well in catching trout, even when in the colder temps. Yeah, when they were running those telemetries, you do see the trout moving out, but there are some that actually stayed, and it was up in that that uh, South Shore pocket right there, um, close to close to the trestles. So they do have some that stay. You know, my my answer to that would be that that lake is just significantly shallower than when those east uh, when those trout move east. Uh, the farther east you move, the deeper it is, which which allows you to have some warmer water. So, and the water gets saltier, of course. But um, you know that would that would be my answer. That the, the shallow water in the lake just it reflects the temperatures. So if you got an overnight low that hits you know 32 degrees, those water those water temperatures are dropping, and it has no way to recover just because it's you know 10 feet deep. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about. That, that theory would go very well with how they move into the deeper pockets in Lakeshore states and uh, into Eden Isle. So that would that would probably bear out true, and, and uh, you know it's a pretty good theory. I like it. Yeah, and all you need is a few temperature, you know, a few degrees difference. You know, if you got a five degree difference from the bottom to the top, and you're looking at you know uh, fifty three degree water temperature on surface, and then you go to fifty seven, that that makes all the difference in the world trout you know sure what uh so the the trestles you've been fishing the trestles any with this last two weeks seems like the last two weeks has been pretty warm huh yeah it's been pretty good um you know me i go the exact opposite way uh we're not busy with trips of course we go uh we do you know um the mr go like you said uh mr go has just been unbelievable it's been a three month you know, mm-hmm. plus just trout rowing, unbelievable, uh, you know, but fighting the crowds over there. And there's still fish there. Um, I had a buddy that went there, and I went, of course, I went to the causeway, and uh, <laughs> he, caught, he caught trout, and I did not catch trout. We caught everything else but trout. But uh, he, he got 53, I think, and that was, you know, uh, Wednesday or Thursday last week. So, um you know, unbelievable. That run has just been nonstop at the wall. Yeah, that was the wall of the rocks in the Mr. Gum. Well, they fish, you know, they're fishing all the way down the rocks, all the way up to the wall. Those fish are moving around. You kind of have to hunt them mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. And once you find them, you know, that's just, it's just on. Yeah. Well, well, well you know, it's going to be. Yeah, you're not trolling any yet, huh? You're still holding off on the trolling? We did some trolling early. Uh, it was really difficult on the trestles early this year just because of the number of boats. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you couldn't get a good stretch, and trying to get inside and outside of it was, uh, you know, it just, it wasn't very yeah. productive. Um, yeah. So we, we kind of opted to different different types of fishing. 
Um, you know, just it was just not it just wasn't going to work. Uh, right now is a good time to go dragging. Okay. Okay. What's your what's your? It seems like the when you drag you you troll. It seems like you're picking up bigger fish. What's your theory on that as far as why those bigger fish seem to to come on the on the troll? You know, I, our bridge trout historically have always been uh, bigger than mm-hmm. than the other trout you see around. I think this year I've noticed a decline in the size of the fish. Uh, I'm still getting some of the 16, 18 inch nice, you know, bridge trout. They've got that girth to them, um, but we're not seeing the 20s, the 22s, the you know, 23s on the norm like we used to see, you know, a few years back. Well, that study, you know, of the of the numbers that uh, the department put out would would lead you to believe that that's that's accurate. What you say, as far as because the age of uh, these three three and up uh, fish are down to to historic levels, so that would that would answer. I think we're dealing with that across South Louisiana, not just here in the lake. Um, we are used to seeing those big trout being caught, and we're not seeing them as much anymore. So. Maybe that has an overall effect on on the whole southeast Louisiana, and that study shows that. I'd like to get your take on that, Andy, as far as the speckled trout uh, assessment that we're talking about. We talked about in the previous hour on Hunt Fish Talk, and they're going to go forth with some meat, some hearings. What's your thoughts on the the speckled trout limit? Well, I I know this. I'm glad I'm not the guy having to make that call. (laughs) (laughs) It is a passionate debate on both sides of – on both sides of the aisle, man, it it's heated. Uh, you, you know, um, from my perspective, though, and looking at what they were suggesting, I mean, it's pretty aggressive, uh, you, you know, to get these fish back. Now, I'm a, I am I love big trout. I love that. I love big fish. Uh, of course, I like catching good numbers of fish as well. Uh, I, I can tell you uh, we've got a lot of issues going on in the lake, everything from – you know, this is the first fall that I fished the causeway that we did not have a trout. We did not catch one trout off the causeway this fall. And that's the first time as long as I've been fishing here that that, that we didn't pull a fish off of there. Now, Slidell had them. We had them hit the shoreline um, all the way down to uh, Lacombe, but they never did make the bridge, which was interesting. Uh, and again, the size of the fish are not what we typically have seen in years past. So, you know, people have, we've got short memories, um, but we go back historically and look at our pictures, look at our data, and we can definitely say, you know, there's a decline. There's something going on in the lake with the fish. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we like have a responsibility thing. to be good, good stewards of the resource. Um, and I don't think that always happens, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, if they could do what they did with the with the redfish, they could do that with the trout. We'll be sitting pretty, huh? Well, I mean, clearly, clearly the redfish numbers are where they need to be. People have great trips with the redfish. Uh, they've got that one dialed in. People, you know, and I think that's what they're looking for is for an overall success. Um, you know, what that number is, I don't know. Um, you know, as far as the size, see, they're looking at it hard. It seems to be a 14 inch trout. Um, and it looks like according to that meeting, uh, from what I read, they're looking at dropping that number down to 10 per. Oh, 
Yeah, man, I just my gut says that's too drastic. Fourteen and ten, I think fourteen inches is going to take care of a lot of the fish that you, you're throwing back in it of itself. But whew, I don't know. We'll see. I, that that would definitely improve things in five years. I got to say that. Yeah, it's a complicated thing too because you know a lot of the handling of the fish, a lot of fish that are thrown back are not handled properly, and they have a high mortality rate. Uh, mm-hmm. according to their study as well. So it's kind of a catch-22 on that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leaning that we don't have to go to a 14. Uh, I think 10's pretty aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it just depends if people, you know, keep what you need and release the rest and try to do it in a manner where the ch- the fish has the best opportunity to survive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andy, uh Let's move over to sheep's head. Boy, we saw a great sheep head run here in the lake. Um, what, those fish have got to have moved out, huh, into the spawn? <laughs> You'd think so. <laughs> uh, but they are still in the lake. It's been absolutely incredible. I'm baffling people with that, you know. Sheep's head uh, in January. Okay. Okay. Sheep head in January. Unbelievable. Uh on the on this side of the lake, on the west end of the lake, you're seeing the gaspergoo, the, the freshwater drum showing up pretty good. A lot of blue cats, uh, some good sheephead mixed in. Um, pretty crazy. Uh, redfish has kind of been hit and miss here and there. We've seen a few. We're seeing some come off of the trussels right now, which is good. I actually saw a couple of real nice fish uh, caught there last week. Redfish. Some nice red. Some nice redfish, which has kind of been missing here lately. Yeah, well, they're going to be coming back. And I'll tell you what, it's usually a downtime for redfish. Downtime for everything right around this time. Um, but I tell you what, you say the sheep said that they. I know the blue cats. Blue cats look like it's going to be a year-round thing for us along the North Shore here. Uh, what does the bait fish look like? This is not typically a time that you see. Big schools of bait fish uh, plowing across the water, but uh, are you noticing anything out there? You know, over by the wall, we had a couple of t- uh, times trips over there where we saw a lot of shad moving around. Um, haven't seen much on the, in the causeway area, almost nothing. Uh, trussels hit and miss over there. We'll run into some pockets of it. Um, but, yeah, not a, not a ton of bait fish. Yeah, that's that's typical. Andy, uh, we got Ray Miller coming up on the show later on to talk a little sockelet fishing. But I heard you made a trip with Ray over there on the the Chifuncta River, huh? You got you, you guys can't be crossing crafts now. You're my saltwater guy. He's my sockelet guy. I don't need you catching whatever disease those sockelet addicts have and and selling your trolling equipment and and jigging poles now <laughs> for, for getting some jigging poles. <laughs> What an honor! What an honor that was to go fishing with Ray. What a great guy, and you know, just so knowledgeable. Uh, and if you love to fish, and that's the greatest thing about Louisiana, where we live. I mean, there are so many varieties of fish that you can chase, and you know, those guys have their niche. They they're, they're obviously just ate up with the sockeye. But what a what a what a great time I had with Ray, and uh, sure, I sure appreciated the opportunity to fish with him. Yeah, you guys caught anything? We got a few. Ray did much better than I did, of course. Uh, <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. It was a it was a tough it was a tough day of fishing, but the conditions weren't nice to us. But I, I think he could catch uh 
a sock of in a bathtub if you had to. <laughs> he knows where to get them. I'll tell you what. He knows how to get under those docks, and he knows the depth of what to drop it down and how to move it. He, he's really mastered it. Well, Andy, where can uh, some folks get some information about booking a trip? Yeah, I recommend they go to the North Shore Fishing Report, uh, click on our banner right there, along with all the other great sponsors. Uh, all the information they need about fishing, the weather, the tides, where to get bait, everything that's going on is the best and easiest place, and it'll take you right to our website and our number, and everything's right on there. Sounds good, Andy. Well, great talking with you this morning. Uh, look forward to talking to you more as the, the trout start to pick up and make their way back into the lake. Yep, let's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and, uh, you know, we're excited about it. And, and uh, we've had an incredible run in spite of that spillway this year. Just didn't make it that far west, but we're really looking forward to it. Yep, hopefully we get a break and skip a year as far as that spillway. Boy, that would be something. I'll get things back to normal over here. It's definitely interesting what's going on. There's a lot of different varieties of fish. Yep. Cool. All right, Andy. You take care, man. Be safe out there. All right, Keith. Have a great weekend. All right, Andy Jones right there. Wicked Charters out of Mandeville. Always good to check in with Andy and hear some reports from Lake Pontchartrain area. I tell you, with the mild month we've seen as far as temperatures go, we, we may be in, in for an early spring run here, so we'll have to watch that. Okay, uh, let's get to the break right quick, but when we return, we're going to talk with Chris Basie. Chris is the tournament director for Bass Assassins. It does a lot of bass fishing here on the North Shore, so we'll talk to Chris and get some tips for fishing the upcoming spawn, where to target these fish and, and what baits to use. Keep it tuned right here for more North Shore Fishing Report on more outdoors. Hi, welcome back to the show, the North Shore Fishing Report. Up next, we're going to talk a little bass fishing. Up next is Chris Basie. Chris is the tournament director for Bass Assassins. He's an avid bass fisherman here on the North Shore. Uh, he also has a YouTube show called CB Bassin, in which he uh, has tutorials about bass fishing, uh, tips, tri tri tricks, and how-tos, and tournament vlogs, and all kind of good stuff. <laughs> uh, you can find that on NorthShoreFisherReport.com as well. So Chris joins me right now. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Keith. I'll leave anything out. Tips, tricks, uh, flips, and how-tos. and. <laughs> <laughs> a few more tongue twisters in there, and you'll be all right. <laughs> Chris, we usually talk about uh, tournament fishing, but uh, we usually have a ton of tournaments, but it's down downtime for the tournament scene. We actually had one tournament. I think it was the Pearl River Team Trails over there on the East Pearl. Uh, you happen to know who won that? What team? Yeah, the the team of Chad Livingston and Eric Seco won that one. Uh, they had 11-14, and they even got big fish with a 4-9 kicker. So, okay, I did yeah. Well, that's something I'm going to see when these tournaments crank up. We're going to see those uh, kicker fish getting close to what six and sevens, huh? Oh yeah, five. they're going to start getting big here in a few in a month or so. <laughs> yeah, you guys have your classic coming up for Bass Assassins, correct? Yes, sir. We're going to be having that on February second, about three weeks away. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm out here pre-fishing. And scouting, trying to find some areas of fish. Yeah, that should be interesting. You know how they they play fantasy football. We should play a uh, fantasy bass tournament. So, uh, who's the smart money on as far as far as your classic? <laughs> Who who's gonna take it? What's your pick? Five dollars. Let's put five dollars on it. I like to put money on me, but 
That's not my smart money. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely, you know, Ronald, he's won it the last two years, but I really think he's going to have a competition this year. And I think uh, if I had to put my money on someone, it'd be Eric Seiko because he's been on a tear oh, here recently. Yeah. I was, I was going to say him, but I'll tell you what, if you don't take him, I'll take uh, Pierre. I hope Pierre won. He's a solid fisherman out there. He knows, knows his stuff. All right, Chris, let's let's get to the bass fishing scene here on the North Shore, what we're looking for out there. Um, these fish are, are staging, or do you think they're already up in the shallows with the, with the warm weather that we've seen? What are you seeing out there? Well, uh, the last few times out on Chifuncta, I haven't really noticed them staging anything. They've been uh, still on the main river, and okay. I've just caught a few males, you know, small males. I, every time I go back into the creeks and in the bayous and try to look for them to see what stage they're at, I don't see anything. No activity, no no beds. Uh, the water temps have been changing a lot, fluctuating up and down from 55 to 60, back and forth. So we haven't really had a good cold winter so far, thankfully, I think. But <laughs> we haven't had a good cold mm-hmm. winter to make it really cold. So I think they're just kind of sitting around confused. They don't know what time of year it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I don't blame him because I'm sitting around confused too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm in January. You're going to start getting some males moving in soon, the first wave, but the biggest waves are going to come in a couple months when the days really get longer and the moon, you know, the next couple moon phases, that's when you're really going to get them moving in. Yeah, and don't let this this weather fool you too, because we're coming getting get back to reality. Uh, a high of fifty two tomorrow. I'm looking at Tuesday. Tuesday's a high of forty nine. So yeah. uh, we're gonna get back to more normal temperatures here. And I think last year did that to us as well. I remember a warm up of eighty degrees during January, and then it seemed like the spring was colder than than January. You know, so it's really quite really close to last year. So. Yeah, Chris, well, let's play thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, you know how it works. I call out the specific location, and you give a thumbs up or a thumbs down as a whether or not that location is worth a shot this weekend. And I say this weekend, boy, it's a change. It's Today is drastically different from <laughs> yesterday. So let's just focus yeah. on today here. we got a shot. we got a window here, a fishing opportunity before this front comes through. Let's uh, focus mm-hmm. on Bayou Liberty. Let's launch at Heritage Park and head uh, head to Palm Lake Bayou. I'm going to give that area a thumbs up. Uh, it's supposed to be a little falling tide this morning, and that's always a good area mouth of that little bayou coming out into Bayou Bonfuca there. Uh, and also, too, that bayou is probably going to warm up. It's going to warm up faster than, say, Trifonco or East Pearl. So those fish are going to be a little further along in their, in their staging and spawn. So you're probably going to have a wave of fish already moving in over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that area is a, a good spot. I would give that a thumbs up uh, as a personal recommendation, too. So that's two thumbs up. Let's look at Crawford's Landing. Landing uh, launch at Crawford's Landing, head south to just under the interstate by, by Devil's Elbow. I'll give that a, a way, thumbs way down, <laughs> two thumbs down. Way down. <laughs> yeah, that, that river is 17 and a half foot and rising. And uh, yeah. I, I definitely suggest not going there because it's going to be blowed out with water. I mean, over here, too, I've been finding. I've been dodging logs over here on the East Pearl. I'm sure it's even worse over there. Yeah, blowed out with water, huh? Two thumbs down because of blowed out. out with water. Yeah. Blowed out, yeah. <laughs> uh, East, East Pearl River, let's head south. Just simple. Head south into the marsh, huh? 
Yeah, head down in there, I'm fishing, you know, along the bank to marsh the reeds. I find it's been doing pretty good this year, actually. The, uh, I guess because really it hadn't really gotten that cold. So anywhere I find tall reeds, I've been fishing along there, and especially when it matches up or mixes with some kind of lay-down tree or something, that's where they really seem to be keen in on. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty safe area to find some you know clean water running out of that marsh. Chris, I watched your latest uh, episode of Tackle Talk. Uh, you do those every Thursday on your on your channel. I uh, picked up a really good tip about the, the paste. First off, fill us in on how you apply this paste and what exactly is it, a paste that you apply to the lure? It's just a, a fish attractant. Uh, you know, they got all kinds. they got spray cans, you know, out there and uh, gels, but this is like a paste. And I find it works great because you just you rub some on your finger and rub it over the lure and it sticks to it and it stays there a lot longer. But uh, if you leave it out, especially in the summertime, it turns the liquid. It doesn't. It doesn't do its job as good. So, you know, I started finding I keep it in my ice chest on the boat to keep it cool. And then even when I go home, I even do it a step further and put it in the refrigerator, and it lasts a lot longer. It doesn't break down as fast. So that was my tip on that one: is just try to keep it colder, so you know it'll last longer. Yeah, and you apply that paste when the the is dry, correct? Correct. Yeah, I just whenever I put my a jig on or, or a crawl worm or something on, and I'll just apply it on there. And every now and then I'll I'll reapply it, but it, it lasts a long time. Yeah. All right, Chris. Uh, man, I tell you what, the, the bass fishing scene here is is slowed down. Everything's cranking back up. We've got a new, uh, you know, Terry Jones, huh? He's affiliated with that East Pearl yep. East Pearl River yep. tournaments. He's got a new. Uh, bass tournament they're doing over at Carnarvon mm-hmm. called the Carnarvon yep. Bass Trail. So he wants me to yep. promote that a little bit. Put that out there. It's going to be no boundaries. Uh, five fish limit must be alive. 12-inch minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to they're gonna blast off at safe light. They're going to go to 330. And uh, it pays out yeah. 100%. There's a big bass division. So they're going to be launching out of the Delacro Corporation uh, private launch down there. And you could just mm-hmm. Google Carnarvon Bass Trail to get some info on that. You fish that area down there, Carnarvon, any? Uh, it's been years since I've really focused on that area for bass or even redfish even. Uh, I used to love that area, man. It was awesome. Good 10 years ago, it was every cast down there, but I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. Chris, I know you're big into electronics. Um, you know, you use your electronics regularly to target bass. I made a fish with Mike Gallo a while back, and I got to see his pan optics on his electronics. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next that thing we're going to be seeing right as there. far as no more curves, no more curves. You're actually seeing, like, shapes of fish. Man, I'll tell you, is there any, any restrictions in the pro bass tournament world um, so far that that says you can't use certain kind of electronics? Because I I could see it getting that way. Is there any kind of restrictions or is it wide open as far as the pro pro scene? It's pretty much wide open. I mean, they don't they don't restrict them on what kind of electronics they can use. I mean, I've seen people have two depth finders on their on their console and then a laptop or a, a tablet next to them, and on the bow they got two more depth finders and a uh, aqua view uh, camera, the underwater camera. And, underwater camera. Wow. Yeah, and they just they don't limit them to that 
uh, some of them don't like to admit, but you'll see like people who have one type of brand and then another one, one brand will come out with something a whole lot better than what everybody else has got. And they'll have one tucked under their console, you know, of that type to try to get an edge, you know, to get a, mm-hmm. a little bit better edge on everybody else. Do you foresee in the tournament world uh, a limit to what we can use? Because it's going to be like we're playing a video game pretty soon. As far as you yeah. know, the quality of which what we see, we could start seeing everything underwater. You know, it pretty much is with that panoptics. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous to watch, to literally watch the fish swim and watch the lure coming back in real time. I don't see mm-hmm. them limiting it because professional fishing is a business, and and they they sell uh, yeah. the products through the professional fishing, and they also develop them and perfect them through there. So I don't see them limiting it. I think it'll hurt their businesses too much. So, yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Yep. Well, we'll see where it goes. I tell you what, I was fishing with Mike, and it got to be where we were hunched over that screen more than we were fishing, yeah. <laughs> pointing out yeah. different things. And it's like, you know, it got to a point where we were fishing, we we knew we weren't going to get a bite because there just wasn't any fish on the on the sonar. So, it kind of eliminates right. at least as far as not you know f- trying to find the fish. It eliminates sections that you don't even need for. Yeah. So that's that's a good right. point about that. Well, Chris, thanks right. so much for joining us this morning, man. You, you doing any fishing today? You working? Yeah, I'm out here on East Pearl right now, trying to scout around for the classic. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. Any any luck so far? No, I've been cruising around looking at the water conditions in certain areas, and I found this little patch of reeds that tucked behind to get out the wind, so I could talk to you. So. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Get back to get back to scouting out that area this morning all right man thank you all right all right chris basie right there talking a little bass fishing tournament fishing on the north shore always good to hear from him uh it's gonna be big bass time soon uh, maybe we'll see a 10 pounder caught again like uh last year we had all right i want to remind folks if you need any information as far as bass tournaments go you can go to northshorefishingreport.com click on the north shore bass series page and it's got all the tournament results and the upcoming tournament information all you need right there okay we talk speckled trout we talk redfish we talk catfish bass up next we're going to talk sockeye fishing stick around for cajun ray miller up next on the show it's the north shore fishing report on a mild saturday morning grab yourself a high cup of coffee and let's talk fishing be right back and welcome back up next we're going to check in with cajun ray miller of madisonville i made a trip with ray and well, we ran into some not-so-great conditions. Uh, we were able to manage a few fish. Well, I say we were able to manage a few fish. Ray was able to, to manage a, a few fish, but nothing like what we see when those soccer and full spawn up in the shallows. But we'll talk a little bit more about the trip with Ray. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. How are you, sir? I am doing good, Ray. You mentioned uh, our trip we made over there on the Trifuncta. And, look, that's fishing. Sometimes, for whatever reason, you know, the barometric pressure, Rainfall muddying up the water, but it was just not our day out there. The sockeye were awfully tough to find. Uh, have you been back out there since? And yeah, yeah, I've been back out there, and it was still tough to find. <laughs> hmm. It's just uh, January is a transition part of the year. Goes from your good fall bite to the next bite, which is your spawn, you know. And uh, so. You're not going to catch them every time you go, but January is a little tough because you have so much water, you know, so much you know, so much rain, and then you have the north winds. It, that what happened to us is we had 
what, we had like three inches of rain before we went, and then we had a couple of days where we had 20-mile-an-hour north winds. It just blew all the water out, and it just shut those fish down. Yeah, man, it seemed like that's uh, everywhere out there that like water was, was going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no bird movement, no bait yeah. on the surface, no nothing. <laughs> yeah, because I told down. you, I said, look, I said, hold on, put your pole down and listen a little bit. I said, do you hear any splashes? He said, no. I said, do you see any swirls on the water? He said, no. I said, do you hear any birds? And it was unbelievably quiet. Quiet, yeah. I don't know why, but it was. Yep. It's just how something, you know, that's how nature works, I guess. Sometimes it's just an off day. We even spotted a little uh, little egret on a, on a cypress knee. He looked like he was just sleeping. Wasn't interested in finding food or anything. You know, I did some research on that. I did some research on that, and oh, that, yeah? you know, be, yeah, because of the, you know, it looked like an egret, but it wasn't. The that was a juvenile, green. right? That was a juvenile blue heron. And uh, really, so, so they're said, white like that? that. When they're young like that, they're white. But the telltale uh-huh. difference between a, a small heron and that uh, is the legs, the, okay. the yeah, chartreuse-colored legs. And that's yeah. what uh, makes the distinction, you know, so there was a juvenile blue heron. Well, let's jump off of the uh, Trafuncta. Let's go over the Bayou Cane a little bit. Bayou Cane is a shallow bayou. It's not very long. It's yeah. a rare mat- mandeville, and it stretches from the highway all the way to the lake. Uh, not what you would call a soccer destination here on the North Shore, but you've managed to catch a few crappie on that bayou. Talk a little bit about what you've learned from fishing in Bayou Cane. Yeah. Well, Bayou Cane, uh, when you catch them, it's, you got to make sure you got enough water. That's the key. And uh, two days after you and I fished, I took a trip down to Bayou Cane. But the north wind just blew all the water out. I mean, if we had two foot of water, that was a lot. Mm. <laughs> so uh, we fished there for about an hour and a half. And uh, I tell you what, I don't know what, what – well, there was we caught a bunch of little bitty four-inch bass. You know, and mm. but we were we were fishing about two foot deep under a car. And pitching to you know those little spots in the shallow, there's a couple of places in there that has some good bank that's protected and out of the wind and all that stuff is you, typically where the the soccer will sit. And then as you get closer to the lake and you know and all the grass and everything, there's a bunch of little pockets to fish. And uh, so, but it's it, it's not that often that you're going to catch some in there, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so we went to check on them. We didn't catch any sockele while we were there. So we stayed there about an hour and a half, and then we went back into the river. But we just went on the, the shot that the water had warmed up a little more than the river because it's so shallow. But we didn't anticipate that north wind had blown it all out of there. The water was pretty, though. It was gorgeous. Oh, it, it's you pretty know. back there. you got plenty of wood oh, to fish, man. plenty of marsh when you get close to the lake. Yeah. What would you say the average depth of that bayou is? Maybe five foot, you know, three to five. It's not deep at all. <laughs> you know, let me put it this way. I have a, I pick my trolling motor up and I put a two by four under the base of it to keep it up. And then I have my motor trimmed up. I mean, cause we were in, like I said, two foot or less. We were in the middle of the canal and every now and then we hit a three foot spot. But, you know, usually that water in there is like four or five foot deep. You know, you're not going to get in there and run. You're going to troll every, every place that you're going to go. Or are you going to idle to the lake? So, but uh, there's a lot of, but there's a lot of wood in there, and there's some new trees that fell since last year. So I'm, I told Neil, oh, yeah. we, well, we need to go somewhere else. 
we need to have two or three foot, two or three more feet of water in there before we come back. So we'll probably hit it another time, maybe in a couple, two or three weeks. Give it well, a I shot. Tell you, when first thing that comes to mind when Bayou Cane, that is home of the goggle eye. That, that Bayou is yeah. loaded with goggle eye. Well, we we did. I think we caught four of them. You know, while we were in there, they when mm. you're fishing for oh sockeye on the spawn, you're going to catch some goggle eye. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got to see yeah. it. This doe was standing there watching us, so we got to see a pretty doe while we were fishing. So. And we didn't oh, bother yeah. her at all. She just stood there and watched us. She could have cared less what we were doing. <laughs> Always nice to take those, you know, those quiet moments yeah. where you can see nature, yeah, like that. You know, not every day you can see a, a deer. Uh, looking back at you, Ray, I had a chance to talk with you, uh, Forrest Green and Jeremy Glasscock. Uh, you talked about crappie fishing on the Trafunta. Mr. Green talked about sockeye fishing on, on Bayou Lacombe, and Jeremy talked about the tick fall, because that's where he normally fishes. Uh, right. Mr. Green talked a little bit about the sockeye bite improving on Bayou Lacombe. I've been seeing the reports out of Bayou Lacombe, and it looks as if it's gotten better with every year that goes by. Talk a little bit about Bayou Lacombe, what it used to be before Katrina and after. Well, before Katrina... Oh my gosh! We used to go out and catch a box of fish. We did. Uh, we many years ago we couldn't buy any worms. All you could buy was was uh, was worms at best. And every now and then the bait shop had china, so we fished with jigs a lot, and mainly that puke jig and black and chartreuse. Those were our two colors. And we'd go fishing in Bayou Lacombe, and we catch half brim. And Gagala and Chickapin, the rest of it was uh, Sakale. I mean, we just catch, used to catch tons and tons of Sakale. And during the spawn, oh, my gosh, it was easy. We'd get in the back end of them canals and just wear them out. And then after then Katrina happened. And uh, and Katrina uh, destroyed the outboard motor months. I just put a, uh, I put a couple of batteries. I mean, it did not my trolling motor, my big motor crushed it. I put a had to put a uh, two batteries in the boat and just troll around. Well, let me tell you what. To tell you how bad it was for Sokolay, the year after Katrina, we fished out there and caught all kinds of brim and chickapin. We didn't catch any Sokolay for over three years. It really hurt the population. So I'm tickled pink to hear that they're starting yeah. to make a comeback and some people are catching some. You know, so I just uh, I'll have to I'll have to make a couple of trips during the spawn out there because I do know some areas that used to hold them. So I'll go back to the same areas because they'll go back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're getting super poor. It's looking good on by by Lacombe. Fishing for the most part, chocolate across the north shore is looking very very healthy. Um, we're running out of time here, but I want to talk a little bit about the spawn. What are you looking for as far as ta- targeting cycle during the spawn here on the North Shore? Uh, well, February 9th is the next full moon, so I fully expect that the cycle are going to be you know, well on its way to being in a swing. You know, so you're going to have February and, and March, and so you're going to have a whole bunch of people getting out there beating the bank. Uh, I like to fish two foot deep under a slip cork and I like to use a 16th or a 132nd of an ounce. You kind of let the fish kind of gauge where it's, whether it's going to take you. Uh, if, you know, sometimes it wants the bait to fall really slowly. We know you're fishing two foot deep. You got that 132nd of an ounce and I use hair jigs. 
uh, during the spawn in the spring. Uh, they seem to work, and you can use plastic, it doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, black and chartreuse, I like to use black and gold, something like that. That's that's my go-to colors during the spawn. And throw a slip court and keep it shallow, huh? We're running yeah, out of time yeah, here, right? But thanks, thanks, yeah. thanks so much for joining us this morning. All right, we'll take care. See you later. All right, man. All right, Ray Miller, right there, keeping the second lake population down on the north shore. Um, like Ray said, he thinks it's going to be an early spawn with the mild weather we've seen in the past few weeks. Uh, Sockley reports are going to start rolling in. Love this time of year. The bass spawn, Sockley spawn, and, and the perch as well. Uh, those, those bluegill spawn, uh, well, it comes a little bit later when it starts heating up, but that's coming too. Fast approaching. All right, I want to thank our guests this morning for joining us. Uh, joining us by phone, Captain Andy Jones of Wicked Charters, talking the improving speckled trout bite on the trestles. Uh, also, Chris Basie of CB Bassin and, and Bass Assassins Tournament. Thank you for, so much for coming on, playing thumbs up, thumbs down. And you just heard him right there, Cajun Ray Miller, the Sockalay Killer, keeping the population of Sockalay down here on the North Shore. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Certainly had fun. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.